If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with me. You can join our classes in New York City or live online from anywhere in the world. And you can also work with us one-on-one in our ProTrack mentorship program where we will pair you with a professional writer who will mentor you through every phase of your career, reading every page that you write. It's a really amazing program. So if you'd like to learn more about it, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies like critics, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we're going to look at movies in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We're going to look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. For an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. Today, we're going to be talking about Chernobyl by Craig Mazin. And if you haven't seen this new miniseries, you definitely want to check it out. I'm going to, for the most part, avoid major spoilers today. But what we're going to be talking about today is miniseries. We get so many questions from students who want to write miniseries or who are wondering whether their project would be better suited as a miniseries. Of course, there are amazing things happening right now in the world of miniseries, and Chernobyl is one of them. So we're going to talk about how you know if your project is a miniseries and how to think about miniseries and also some of the commercial challenges of selling a miniseries to help you make the best decisions about writing your own script. And we're going to do that talking about Chernobyl and looking at how this miniseries on HBO actually functions and what made it so effective and essential. So before we even get into talking about miniseries, a warning. Most emerging writers who are working on miniseries are working on them for the wrong reasons. Most writers who are embarking on writing a miniseries who are early in their career are doing so because they don't yet have the muscle, the physical, technical skills as a writer to tell their story efficiently. Many writers end up thinking they need to write a miniseries because they don't actually know how to zoom in close on the part that represents the whole how to narrow their screenwriting down to the essence of the story that needs to be told, how to find their hook or craft their character's journey in an effective way. So what happens for a lot of newer writers is that their projects bloat, that it seems like, wow, I could never fit this into a 100-page script or a 60-page series episode. It seems so big because you simply haven't learned the tools of efficiency yet. So the first thing you want to make sure is that if you're writing a miniseries, you're writing it for the right reason. You're writing a project that really needs to be told as a miniseries. The other thing you want to be aware of when you think about writing a miniseries is that it is harder to write a miniseries than it is to write a series. It is harder to write a miniseries than it is to write a feature. It is 
certainly harder to write a miniseries than it is to write a pilot. A miniseries is a huge investment, and unlike a series that can grow audience over time, over many years, you really just have that one shot to get it right. So it's a huge investment of capital, it's a huge investment of time, and as a writer, it is a huge investment of your time and energy in the writing, because these things are hard to write and they are big. So the first question you want to ask yourself is, does this need to be a miniseries? If it does, well, you darn well better do the work and you better figure out how to do it because you got to tell the story in the form it wants to be in. But if you're an early career writer, if your craft isn't all the way there yet, you might want to ask yourself, is there a way to tell this story as a feature? Is there a way to tell this story as a series pilot or as a traditional television or web series? Is there a way to do it where I don't have to wrestle this giant beast? So before you write a miniseries, you want to make sure you can write a scene. You want to make sure you can write an act. You want to make sure you can write a movie. You want to make sure that you can write a hook. Because if you actually look at the structure of a miniseries like Chernobyl or True Detective or any of these other fabulous miniseries, Chernobyl is like making two and a half, maybe three movies worth of content that all need to tie together into this giant epic script. Even though you're doing one-hour episodes, those one-hour episodes actually work a lot different than a one-hour episode of a TV show. Because unlike a TV show where you're really replicating an engine, which is what I discuss in many, many podcasts, for example, my recent podcast on succession talks about engine. In a series, what you're really doing is establishing an engine in a pilot and then replicating that engine, replicating the same kind of thing again and again and again. When you write a miniseries like Chernobyl, you're not just replicating an engine. You're building a gigantic script. And a lot of people think, oh, if I've got Chernobyl is what, uh, 300 pages? Well, if I've got 300 pages, I can move a little more slowly. I can take my time. But no, it's actually the opposite. To write a story that big, that's worthy of being a miniseries, that needs to be a miniseries, and that demands the kind of investment that a miniseries requires from a network, from stars, from a director, from producers, financial capital, time capital, just the sheer size of the shoot, to be worth it, the first thing a series needs is epic scope. When you are writing a miniseries, you want to make sure the scope of your script is huge. In general, at least in today's market, a miniseries is not the place to create the quiet character-driven story of you and your brother. That doesn't mean a miniseries couldn't be built like that. It's just exceptionally challenging to do so because to make the investment, people are usually looking for epic scope. If you think about Chernobyl, the epic scope is clear. This is not just a story of a nuclear disaster. This is the story of the Soviet Union at this time. This is a story about the nature of lies and politics. This is a story about the world brought to the brink of extinction without even realizing it's happening. And it's based on a true story. So there is political scope. There is dramatic scope. There is visual scope. 
This is not a little indie film. This is a mini series of grand filmic proportions. So the first thing you want to think about is scope. One of the ways to think about if your piece is likely to work as a miniseries is to ask yourself what most producers are asking themselves when they make a miniseries is they're looking for a topic that people feel like they've heard about before but maybe don't know a lot about. So Chernobyl is the perfect topic for a miniseries, right? Everybody remembers Chernobyl. Some of us, if you're younger, maybe you've heard of it, but you don't know what it is. If you lived through it, you remember it, but you don't necessarily remember exactly what happened, but you know it was big. Those kinds of worlds are ripe territory for miniseries. Now, that doesn't mean that you can only write those kinds of projects. True Detective is also a miniseries, although they tried to replicate it as a series in future seasons with a little bit less success. The first season of True Detective is really built as a miniseries. And you can see that, again, it has epic scope, right? It actually takes all those episodes to solve the mystery. And the mystery is not the murder mystery. The mystery is how did Matthew McConaughey go from being the guy you met at the beginning of the miniseries to being the guy who's giving the interview in the present day. So there are many ways to get to that scope, but generally, especially if you're a newer writer, one of the ways to think about it is, is it something that has obvious epic scope And is it something that people feel like maybe they've heard of it before? It's not required, but it will make it a lot easier. Number one is epic scope. If it doesn't feel epic, the chances are it's not big enough to sustain six hours, five hours, eight hours. It's not big enough to sustain that many hours of storytelling. So that's the first piece, epic scope. The next important element with a miniseries is the why today question. Why are we telling this story today? And this is especially important if you're telling a historical miniseries like Chernobyl. Part of what gives that feeling of epic scope is that we're not just looking back at an interesting time in history. We're looking back at that interesting time in history in a way that matters to our world today, that has relevance today. What's really interesting about the construction of Chernobyl is that Chernobyl is not a miniseries about Chernobyl. Chernobyl is a miniseries about lies. In a lot of ways, Chernobyl is a miniseries about global warming, about that thing that you can't see, that nobody wants to tell the truth about, that thing that you can't see that could actually bring mankind to the brink of death right now, that is literally happening right now. And the power of lies and the power of denial and the power of oppressive misuse of power to create that monster and then to hide it, to enable it and empower it and build it until a point where it may not be possible to put the genie back in the bottle. So the reason that you tell the Chernobyl story today is not because this interesting event called Chernobyl happened. The reason you tell the Chernobyl story today is because this interesting event called global warming is happening. And even though the words global warming are never used in the entire series of Chernobyl, 
Everything about Chernobyl is built around that idea. In fact, the very first line of Chernobyl is this. What is the cost of lies? It's not that we'll mistake them for the truth. The real danger is that if we hear enough lies, then we no longer recognize the truth at all. What can we do then? What else is left but to abandon even the hope of truth and content ourselves instead with stories? This is the real question that Chernobyl is looking at, and it is not a question from the 1980s. It's a question for today. It is not a question for 1986. It is a question for 2019. What is the cost of lies? What is the cost of the lies that we are currently living? And how does the failure to confront these lies, how does the power of ego and the desire for power and the power of denial actually threaten our survival? So the first thing you want is epic scope. The second thing that you want to make sure you have is a why today that matters. That doesn't mean that every miniseries has to be political like Chernobyl is, but it does mean that there has to be a relevance to today to give it that weight that the miniseries needs. And you'll see that that is threaded through every element, not hitting it on the nose, but instead under the surface, even the way the film is shot. Chernobyl is shot like a horror movie. It's built like a horror movie. It uses so many of the conventions of the horror movie. If you think in the first episode, that moment where the man is inching up to look into the nuclear reactor core, that feeling of something lurking out there, something that you can't see. And part of the reason that it's built that way is for the visual and the fear of that, right? To create that feeling of impending doom in the audience in the same way that a horror movie creates that feeling of impending doom in the audience. But what that visual style actually grows out of is the why today of the script, is the political message of the script, right? Is to create that feeling that what you're not looking at, what our government is lying about, that it actually can kill you, to actually build the full danger of that thing that you can't see, that you want to believe isn't there, to build that idea that no matter what, no matter what story you tell, you cannot avoid the truth. The truth is coming for you. A lot of horror movies are built around a monster in the house, and Chernobyl is also built around a monster in the house, but in this case, the monster in the house is not a monster. And it's not even a nuclear reactor. The monster in the house is the truth. The truth that nobody wants to look at because it's politically inconvenient. Because looking at it would require change and shame and confronting what we've actually done. So everything in the Chernobyl miniseries is built out of that why today. From the visual sense to the thematic sense, to the opening image, the opening words. The next thing you need is a sense of visual power, right? You need visual scope because nobody wants to make a small miniseries. Miniseries need to feel big. They need to capture the weight 
so that an audience will feel like they need to tune in for six episodes. It's got to be that much story. And so you want to be able to put together a beautiful trailer. And this is the part that you can do easily. This is about just learning to write with your visual eye, learning to hypnotize your reader on the page, all those things that we teach in our Write Your Screenplay 1 and 2 classes, really learning how to connect to that inner eye in you to make sure that every image that you write is beautiful. So we've got this idea of epic scope. We've got this idea of why today. We've got this idea of visual beauty. The fourth thing is the story's actually got to be big enough. Enough needs to happen that the movie truly could not have been told as a two-hour film or an hour-and-a-half film. Because if the story could be told in another form, eventually somebody's going to be asking you, well, why don't you just turn it into a movie and make it easy for me? Here's one of the ways you know. Ask yourself, am I saving the best for first or am I saving the best for last? Too often when people write miniseries, what they end up doing is they end up slowly, slowly spooling out their story. And the idea is, well, I've got so many pages, so I get to work slowly. But that's not the truth. The truth is, if that first episode doesn't grab us and shake us and knock our socks off, no one's ever making it to episode five or episode six or episode four or episode eight or however many episodes your miniseries is. So you want to make sure that in your pilot, you have smushed everything in there as fast as you can, that you've gotten to the hook, that you've gotten to the very best stuff as quickly as you can. That's the first thing. If you haven't, there's a good chance you don't actually have a miniseries. There's a good chance that you have a feature film or a TV series and that you simply are still building up the skills that you need as a writer to tell your story effectively. The next piece is to make sure that it's not just really a series because series are much easier to sell. Now, this may not be true for anyone. If you have a connection to a producer who makes miniseries, I actually spent many years in my early career making huge miniseries at Alliance Atlantis. And so if you are a writer who has connections to producers who are making miniseries and networks that are making miniseries, then these rules may not apply to you. And I always believe the movie you should write or the miniseries you should write or the series you should write really should be based upon what's the story that you're dying to tell. Because even if you don't sell that movie, even if you don't sell that miniseries, that's likely to be the attention-grabbing script that can actually get you noticed in this industry. So I don't want to scare you, but it is harder to sell a miniseries for a very simple reason, which is there are just fewer places making them. And the places that are making them, the HBOs of the world, for example, they don't make as many of them as they make series. So I'd much rather you write a series unless it demands being a miniseries. So let me tell you very quickly the difference. A miniseries is like a giant movie. It goes through all these movements, and although the movements feel the same, the movements are quite different. So if you think about Chernobyl, Chernobyl starts as a disaster movie. It has moments where it's a character drama. And by the time we get to the end, it's a courtroom movie. 
it goes through all these different phases following the character, Jared Harris's character, Valery Legasov, following his journey from beginning to end and going through tremendous numbers of movements in order to create that change for the character. So you want to make sure that you actually have enough story here, that the story's going through movements and that you're not doing Breaking Bad where you're really going to have the same kind of thing happening in each episode, where each episode Walter White's going to break a little worse, each episode he's going to manipulate Jesse towards his addiction, each episode he's going to hide the secret from his wife, each episode he's going to make a decision that corrupts him a little bit more. We're not doing the same kind of thing. Rather, we're taking the character on a journey where they change and they do different kinds of things and the change needs to feel as epic as the scope of the movie. So you want to make sure you have that quality. The final thing that you need to think about when all this is done, you have all these elements, you know it has to be a miniseries, you know it's weighty enough to be a miniseries, and you know you're writing it like a miniseries, is to remember that as big as miniseries are, they're actually quite small. Chernobyl is not actually the story of Chernobyl, it's the story of lies. It's not actually the story of lies. It's actually even more than that, because movies are not built around events. They're built around characters. And if you think about the structure of Chernobyl, you'll see it's actually just built around two characters. It's built around Valerie Legasov and Boris Sherbina, Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård. And these two characters are on opposite sides of the theme. You have Legasov, the scientist who is committed to truth or who at least believes he is. And you have Sherbina, the lifelong politician. And what we're going to watch over the course of this film is we're going to watch those two men from opposite sides of belief move towards a friendship that ends up saving the world. And what we're going to see both of those men do is change in relation to their relationship with lies and in relationship to each other. Every other scientist that exists in this story is going to get boiled down to one character, Emily Watson's character, Ulana. She's going to become the composite for all the other characters. And yes, she's going to affect Jared Harris, Valerie Legasov's character, but she is a B story threaded through his journey. The structure of Chernobyl is really just the story of these two guys with this third story threaded through it. And yes, we have some B story. Right, We have the Ludmila story, the character who's having a child whose husband's a fireman. And we have the guy who's got to kill the dogs. We've got workers who are trying to put out the fire and ultimately suffering the consequences of radiation poisoning. So we have that B story, that C story, and that D story. We have the E story of Anatoly Dyatlov, the Paul Ritter character, the guy who just can't accept the truth and who ends up taking the fall for everyone. Yes, we have these subplots that weave through, and a miniseries must have them. You have to have these different levels of structure. But it's important to understand that miniseries, just like feature films, are simply built around a main character going on a journey. In this case, Valery Legasov going on a journey in relation to an unlikely friend, Boris Sherbina. So you want to make sure that you have enough movement between those characters that that relationship can change in every episode in a big enough way to be worthy of the series. Otherwise, you're going to run out of steam. And even though there may be periods where you go a long time without seeing your main characters, as we do in the pilot, you want to make sure that you've locked in those relationships by the time you get to the end of episode one. Episode one starts with 
and they're just going to be a small spoiler here. Episode one starts with Valery Legasov and the question of lies. And by the time we're on page two, we've seen him kill himself. So we're asking the question, why? And though we then go through 45 minutes or so of a disaster movie, what we end with is coming back to Valery Legasov, our main character, and the beginning of his relationship with Boris. When Stellan Skarsgård calls Jared Harris's character and says, you've been appointed to a panel with Gorbachev, and the number that's been thrown out, 3.6 of how bad the radiation is, Boris says, it's 3.6, it's not that bad. And Valerie says, well, actually, that would be quite bad. And we know that it's much worse than that, that we are actually already locked into that story, the story of denial versus the story of truth that's going to power the journey of these two main characters in the faiths of destruction. So these are the elements that you want. You want a story with epic scope, ideally in a world that we feel like we know something about. You want a strong why today. You want visual beauty. You want to make sure you're saving the best for first. Make sure that you have enough story to get you through the end. And you want a central character whose journey is so big and so powerful that it's going to be enough to power the entire miniseries. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For a complete transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast.